0: Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zentner Geology Podcast, episode 92, Jerome and Sky. Thank you for listening. Two first names, Jerome Lessman, Sky Cooley. One's a geology professor at Vancouver Island University in Nanaimo, British Columbia. Another is a... Geologist who lives in northwestern Montana and is consistently coming over to Washington to continue work on the Quaternary. And I've really enjoyed learning and collaborating with those two gentlemen. And that's what I'd like to do with you today to talk about what I've been doing really in the last two weeks. It's been. I think I've maybe I haven't looked. Feels like a video every day. I mean, I've I've, I'm really in the zone, and I need to slow down for a number of reasons. So, I think doing this audio episode with you, and I haven't done one of these radio episodes in a while, so sorry about that. Um, I think doing this right now with you on a Friday morning, and the weather's wet, and it's going to be wet this weekend, and windy, and Uh, It's a good chance just to kind of slow down and stop doing so much of this stuff on YouTube. I mean, it's been a lot, uh, and it's energizing, but I I think it's time for me to kind of turn the page on this quaternary geology stuff, at least for now. So what I'm hoping to do with this radio episode is to describe what I've been doing with both Jerome and Skye independently by the way not not all together sitting around the campfire necessarily and kind of where I am with thinking about the ice age floods there's been some some progress for me and I think for many and yes I've even kind of uh shaken the branch a little bit too much and so there's there's a little bit of pushback uh among the geology community which which isn't all bad you know but that's that's kind of the way this is um So before I get into the the details, let me just give you a programming note, I guess. It's it's the last day of the spring quarter. I have not been teaching much this quarter, which is unusual for me. So it doesn't feel like normal, which is the huge relief that, you know, I can finally kind of get off of this uh, regular schedule in the classroom. Relief's the wrong word. I enjoy it, of course, but yeah, you know. I think we have all remember being in school and you know, the last day of school and all that sort of thing. So the freedom and the, the openness normally comes this time of year. Well, I, I have been free and open pretty much since March uh, and have been following my interests. And, okay, well, let's just get into it then. So um, since I spoke with you last year at the radio episode headquarters, what, i um, I visited with Sky Cooley uh, briefly on a Sunday morning in Othello. I'm going to say two weeks ago. I don't really remember, but two, two weeks ago, let's say. Three weeks ago, I guess. And he introduced me to calcretes. Now, I knew about calcretes, which are these very old uh, soil horizons, but they always bored me to tears. I never understood why they were worth any thought at all. And the details of forming the calcretes still uh, don't really excite me very much. I mean, soils, come on. <laughs> but what got me going with Sky, and he's very good on camera, he's very easy to talk to, uh, and, and has a very uh, m- kind of methodical approach, it, it feels like. He's, he's, he's a field geologist. Uh, I was real interested in the time frame we were talking about, the calcretes he was showing me, which were, you know, uh, uh, j- down low. Let's just say down low compared to the Saddle Mountains. That's what I'm about to talk about. Um, so, you know, he, he was talking, well, this these are calcretes that represent a, a kind of missing chapter in our understanding of the Pacific Northwest geology, and the time window is... 3 million years ago to 1.8 million years ago, roughly. There's not some detailed dates yet, but that's that's the general chapter we're talking about. And so in between these calcretes, and also where the calcretes are kind of a crust that overprints some of the parent material, well, suddenly we were talking about the Ice Age floods, like old Ice Age floods, Ice Age floods that happened hundreds of thousands of years ago, maybe more, more than a million years ago. Okay, we don't talk about that much here, because I don't know much about that. But surprising to me at the time, and I think still kind of surprisingly, those calcretes can also help shed some light on the uplift history of the Saddle Mountains. Now, I was talking about the Saddle Mountains last time, I'm sure of that. I I didn't take the time to go back and listen to that one, sorry. So if you just listened to that one and now you're listening to this one, uh, there's a disconnect because it's been, I don't know what it's been, a month. So I did a pop-up geology event uh, looking at the Saddle Mountains, and as I was talking to the group, I started to get confused because I, I remembered that there were some calcretes up on top of Saddle Mountains And I started to wonder, you know, it's one of those weird things, you know. It was a nice group. I've been doing some of these pop-up events as well. There was a big group, whatever there was, 150 people there at the Beverly uh, uh, Bridge. And, you know, I'm kind of filming what's going on. I'm definitely talking to the group. But there's a small part of my brain that's like also like having a conversation with myself like, wait a minute. I don't think you know, I'm talking to myself now, I don't think you know when the Saddle Mountains started to uplift, do you? Because if, the, if those calcretes at the top of Saddle Mountains are the same calcretes as, as in Othello, and there's, whatever it is, a thousand feet of elevation difference between the two, and there's a huge Saddle Mountain fault, and there's an anticline uh, that is also developed with the Saddle Mountains, if that calcrete layer is 3 million years old, does that mean there is no saddle mountain uplift until younger than 3 million years ago? Okay, so that that was a wild thought to me, and, and uh, I just did a follow-up chat with Sky, and that's maybe the last video I'm going to have posted for a little while. I don't know. You know, I probably can't stop, but I do need to slow down. So anyway, I asked Sky about that. Uh, with one of these follow-up chat sessions, which is a format I'm not sure I'm going to continue. I'm just experimenting with it. So, okay, let's leave that alone. So so the calcrete discussion was, was not how f- soils form and how old the soil is. Instead, the payoff for me and the excitement for me, and it continues to be, these calcrete layers can be traced regionally. Love that. They can be traced regionally with a moment in time or a chapter in time that's relatively quiet. There's not a whole lot of geology going on. It's like there's this, if you think of the Pacific Northwest history as some sort of drama, you know, or some sort of play that's happening on this stage, uh, here's this quiet moment before we start building to this next dramatic conclusion, which I guess is the Ice Age floods. Oh, it's interesting complimenting myself this morning in the basement next to the litter box. Pathetic that gets us to the ice age floods because there are some uh, cobbles, shall we call them, that have been traditionally viewed as old ice age flood deposits and they are below calcrete. So therefore they're, they're below this this um, very old soil. And data is still coming in, but yes, it looks like we've got at least one, maybe two major ice age floods, whatever that means, in eastern Washington, let's pick a number, a million years ago. Okay, well, that transitions us to Jerome Lessman, and it's, it, I'm, I'm choosing to grab both of these guys and put them in the same episode here with you because uh, they are now starting to work together even though they hardly know each other, uh, the few times that they have gotten together, I'm not sure they've even physically met, to be honest, but Zoom calls and other things and and learning about each other a little bit more through the videos I've been making, um, they're on the same page. And we turn our attention now to what has really been my main focus the last two weeks, and that is the Okanagan Valley. Oh, my God, you say... You've already talked about that. It was last fall that I had this radio episode, probably called Okanagan Ice Age Floods or something, and I was pretty charged up. So to remind you, Jerome Lessman invited me to tag along with his uh, glacial geology field trip last October up in southern BC, and it you know it was difficult to get across the border back then, but I did and found Jerome and his group, and I, I, I think I gave you a full radio episode back in October about that experience. And I was charged up, maybe even slightly pissed off, because I saw so much grand geology not that far across the border in British Columbia, and I was just kind of dumbfounded that, that those sets of glacial deposits just simply did not have a connection across the border. And we all know borders are insignificant in geology. So why can't we just continue that narrative? Well, there's all sorts of... Now, let's not go there. So Jerome has not been able to publish as uh, regularly as he would like. One, he's got a heavy teaching load at his university. And he's a good teacher. There's no question about that. He devotes a lot of time and energy to his students. But he also has some significant research interests, and he has not been publishing as much as he would like. You know what I'm doing. I'm choosing my words carefully. There needs to be more active collaboration between American and Canadian geologists. Let's just put it that way. And so, in my own small way, I'm trying to do something very unusual, which is just start talking to these guys before they've published their work. In fact, talking to both Jerome and Skye about the terraces in the Okanagan Valley. Yeah, Ice Age floods terraces, or terraces related to the uh, Okanagan Lobe, or both, or neither. I mean, there's these incredible... I'm going to get fired up again. Did I just say incredible with like a Canadian accent? Maybe I did. Wow. I'm on fire. There's these incredible. The amounts, the volume of stones. I've been calling them marbles. I mean, I need to come up with a a slightly better uh, little pet name for these things, but If you've driven up the Okanagan Valley, on either side of the border, by the way, no, no, if you've driven up the Okanagan Valley on the Washington side of the border, I don't know how you could not notice these enormous landforms where we have piles of rounded rocks stacked, in many cases, on both sides of the highway, 500, 600 feet tall beautiful white and salt-and-pepper rocks that have beautifully flat tops. And they are called bl- flats, like Brewster Flats and and the Great Terrace. <laughs> Switch course. <laughs> I don't know another name of a flat. Pogue Flat? Yeah, okay. I'm sure there are plenty of others. If you don't have any idea what I'm talking about and You'll never come to Washington or whatever. You're listening a long way away. Hey, just go on Google Maps and punch in Lake Chelan Airport. Do that for me, would you? Lake Chelan Airport. If you find that on Google Maps and maybe get off of the satellite view and get onto some sort of, you know, whatever, the raised relief thing or some sort of, you know, topographic uh, 3D image of what's going on there. (laughs) Why a geologist? I don't even know what to call that. The, the stunning simplicity of these flat surfaces perched high above today's Okanagan River. And then if you're further south by, by Chelan itself, these staggering surfaces, these huge landforms, these terraces at different levels that are perched High and dry today above the Columbia River. What is going on with those features and why aren't people talking about them? This is one of the biggest features, I think, in the Pacific Northwest involving Ice Age geology. And yet they continue to be this kind of afterthought. Or if you read, you know, the standard message it's like well these are came terraces and this, this is some meltwater that's along the margin of a retreating ice sheet come on i can't i can't buy that and you're like well why aren't you listening to the experts well in this case let me just say it this way i enjoy learning geology Occasionally, I enjoy being on a field trip and listening in real time to a a leader. But most of the time, I just like taking a a roadside book or a field trip guide or something. And I just like going out by myself and and going to these spots and reading what has been written and and kind of visualize what's going on. And I'd say 90% of the time, I'm totally willing to listen to what's being said. 90% 90% of the time, I'll read the description. This is uh, uh, a porphyritic andesite. Uh huh. Okay. Tell me, tell me more. Uh, the, the, the vent for that andesite is over here. And uh, Okay. Good. Uh, or if it's Pleistocene geology, or if it's frickin' calcrete, or whatever it is, I'm mostly, I don't want to say gullible, but I'm mostly open to reading what I hear, uh, <laughs> reading uh, and, and thinking and saying, yep, okay, yeah, I like that, okay, I, I I learned something today, I feel good. There's only a few times that I keep hearing a what I'll call the company line, which is just this kind of standard statement that's been applied to a certain set of landforms, let's say. I'm just thinking geomorphology now. And you keep hearing the same thing, and every time you hear it, I'm just talking about me now. I go. I don't know. That doesn't sound right to me. That that sounds too small compared to the scale of what I see here. I've never had that thought. This is an interesting thought for me this morning. Thank you. Uh, maybe I'll try to think of other things in geology where I. Where I am, my 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 senses up. My spidey senses up a little bit. I'm like, it just doesn't. It doesn't match. And does that mean my spidey sense is, is 100% accurate? Of course not. All I'm trying to say is that I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a significant story in the Okanagan Valley of Washington involving the Ice Age that has been missed to this point. And this radio episode involving Jerome Lessman and Sky Cooley is hopefully just a little note to you that... Hopefully, hopefully there will be a paper or two, or a field trip or two, or in my case, more videos coming from these two guys as they continue to work on these features in the Okanagan Valley of Washington. And the the backdrop for this is, everybody's ignoring it. I, I really do mean that. And I don't want to get into the pushback, but the pushback a little bit has been, you know, just a nudge here and there from people who have been studying the Ice Age geology. And they go, look, we, there's nothing to see here. These are Kame Terrace's end of story. I don't even want to get into a discussion of Kame Terrace's because it just doesn't work for me personally. Because I continue to look, oh God, man, I keep, continue to look at the size of these things. Anyway, if, if you're intrigued by this topic and you have not been following along with the videos, there's a lot waiting for you uh, from the last three weeks. And just to describe that briefly, so I'm with Sky talking about the Calcretes. Then I'm with Jerome up in the Okanagan camped with him for one night, spent better part of two days wandering around doing a lot of back-and-forth thinking, and it was early in his reconnaissance of these things that he had found on LIDAR, and Sky was the guy to tip him off for these giant current ripples that had been recently discovered by Sky on LIDAR near the OMAC airport, or at least near, Opa, no, near OMAC on Pogue Flat, Second terrace from the top. It's all there in video form. Let me just continue with that description to give you a sense of, of kind of how I've been locked into this. So, so that, let's see now. So that business with Jerome kept me going, got me interested. I forget the timing now. I did a follow-up chat with Jerome where he's at his home and I'm in my office uh, because I'd been thinking for a few days. It felt like, in the meantime, Sky Cooley had been posting blogs, uh, a blog posts on the Great Terrace. Not only him noticing these giant current ripples and what they might mean, but then another blog post, which I'm especially fond of, which I've linked to in the last couple of videos, where Sky has basically gone through all the published work on the Great Terrace between Chelan and Tenasket in northern Washington over the last 120 years. And Sky has been working actively now with uh, Richard Waite and Brian Atwater and others who are kind of more uh, 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 traditional uh, producers on these recent geology topics in Washington. And so I guess I'm, I'm trying to say here that There's potential for a major breakthrough in some understanding. And if I can play a small role in that, wonderful. Uh, But just for my own personal interests, it's been fun to learn directly from these two cats, Jerome and Skye. And then I just am going to continue. But now that I say that, I'm going to (laughs) stop. I'm going to stop because there's a lot of other geology that I want to explore this summer and into this fall. And remember, I have announced that I've, I'm doing a, a Baja BC live stream series this coming winter. And it's not like I want to learn it all ahead of time, but I need to start organizing myself. And I think I'm deciding right now with you that the next week, I'm just going to do what I normally do every three, four months. And that is go through all the maps that I have, all the printouts, all the things I've I've used in past live streams and other backyard sessions and everything else, just go through all that stuff again. And that process of physically like sorting through all these papers, quote unquote, helps me remember what I have, number one, but also helps me uh, repackage these piles essentially as I get ready for the next batch of discussions. So I think I'm taking this ice age stuff. That's another thing. I've been so uh, I don't want to say creative but I, I've been so uh, um, I've been so regular in the field I haven't even taken the time to sit down and read and then go out, read and then go out. I mean, that's that's kind of what I've been doing more recently, especially with my classes I've been teaching. Of course, we're reading a scientific paper, and then we go out and look at it in the field and back and forth that way. I've been so uh, manic, I guess, uh, in the last two, three weeks with this uh, recent geology that I haven't cracked open one paper. I'm just going directly to these guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and 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 they're not publishing yet, they're just, you know, sharing some of their early so the whole thing kind of feels um experimental for sure, but um maybe maybe too much in that direction. So I'm 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 backing off a little bit. So I need to start getting my head towards some older geology for a bunch of reasons. Plus, I think I'll say it. In one of the recent visits I had with Jerome Lessman he said I think I'm going to have I'm think I'm going to have a sabbatical next spring and I'm not going to have to teach at Vancouver Island University next spring semester and I'm wondering if you'd want to do a little extra uh, stuff in the the scablands or in eastern washington or in the Okanagan next spring And i said hey jerome i'm scheduled to teach geology 351 and last spring spring of 2021 i was focused on the eocene which was getting me ready for the crazy eocene a to z series and this spring i haven't been teaching 351 i'm doing it every other spring i said hey jerome i think i just decided right now because you've offered this i'm going to devote next spring's geology 351 class to the ice age and there's atwater and white papers to read there's other new work that's been done and then yes i would love to fold you in directly like physically into our class and i'll live stream the classroom sessions and we'll be out in the field and if we can get a week with you uh and maybe i don't know get the students up to the okanagan for a weekend or whatever that would be wonderful and of course i'd want to record it all i don't do anything i haven't even had breakfast yet i'll probably i'll probably live stream me cooking breakfast just kidding but it feels like that i'm overexposed i think at the moment i'm hearing from more and more people they're like wow i don't know what's going on with you but I see you're doing like a video every day and I'm like two weeks behind. I got no idea what you're doing. I'm not going to, and some people only watch if they're in order and other people rarely watch and then they'll go, Oh yeah, I guess I know that guy. I'll watch that one. And then others don't watch at all. Totally fine too. Okay. So look for more, I guess next spring is what I'm saying for Ice Age Geology featuring Jerome Lessman. And for all I know, I know Sky listens to these podcasts. Guy, if you want to come over next spring and hook up as well, that would be just a wonderful thing. And I'm going to wait till next spring to just basically see how much progress has been made on some of these research topics between Jerome Lessman and Sky Cooley. I'll finish with a couple of other thoughts, and then I'll say goodbye. First of all, I'm hoping to go back to being a little bit more regular with this. Famous last words, but I definitely don't want to schedule for doing these. I like the part where I just wake up and go, oh, it's been a while. Let me get a couple things down here in the basement with you on the, with the microphone. But um, I don't know. I, th- I think if I want to do more regular offerings with the radio episode, I need to come up with a new approach that motivates me to continue to visit with you. I don't even know what I'm talking about. So I guess I'll leave that. I do feel like I'm still trying to work out a new batch of technology. So I've been trying to figure out how to use the excellent Ethernet connection that I have at school in my building, Discovery Hall, and trying to figure out how to live stream from there because I do think there's a role for people from all around the world watching together and it's last time I did that was in mid-February so I've given up on spotty wireless and live chatting that way but I'm working on that and what I'll be doing and how I'll be doing it I don't know uh, the pop-up geology things continue. I enjoy that format. I think I'll, I'll maybe expand that uh, not only in frequency but in uh, locations around the Northwest. But there's some logistical problems there, which I guess I'll try to solve. But, oh, I'll share it with you. I love driving. I love exploring. No problem there. But even for me, it feels like a bit of a waste for me to be driving around for a full weekend looking for spots that I can do pop-up geology and then come all the way back like it's a half a state away or whatever and then do one of those pop-up geology events. So I've got a couple ideas how I might just have to trust input. And I'm thinking seriously about just making a video sometime in the next couple of weeks. And I just say, hey, look, viewers, uh, it's so wonderful that many of you want to come and join me live at a place. But I think I need your help. I think I need suggestions on where I can do pop-up events. And I'm just going to have to trust you. Okay, I'm, I'm going to think, I'm going to, um, so I think here's what I need to say in this video. Number one, I need a place with a view. I've, I've been tinkering with the pop-up thing, and I did one where we're kind of down in a hole, and we have just one static view the whole time, and it doesn't work. I think the, the part where I can set the camera up on a tripod, and as I'm talking to the group, I spin them around and have a view 360, and I'm pointing things out, excuse me, I think that's a big part of this. So A, I need a view, big expansive view for a pop-up geology site. B, I need parking. I I need a place where 75 cars can be parked. And I know that sounds like I'm full of myself, but we had about that last time. And I think these are only going to grow, especially if I make them more, um, if I do more of them. If I do a bunch of pop-up geology events this summer, let's say, I think by the end of the summer, you know, there'll be 200 or 250 people at these things. And so I need to figure out a place that has that kind of parking. I think those are the two requirements. I, I, I can do the geology. Like if I know what's in the view, like there's Mount Rainier off in that direction and there's Puget Sound over there and there's some other little, you know, exposure of a cliff or something. That's my part. I, I can come up with some some detail, geology detail. Um, that's the whole gimmick of the thing, right? You're going to a place and then I'm sharing what a geologist knows or what a geologist can see from that vantage point. But I'm hung up on on figuring out how to do that. I've been tinkering with pop-up events just locally. Because they're areas I know, and it's not that hard to put a little program together. But it's going to be more of a challenge if I'm on the West Coast or if I'm in Idaho or whatever. But I think it's maybe worth thinking about doing that. Uh, The laptop that I've been waiting for since December is finally arriving, apparently, this month. (laughs) And that's an issue because there's a newer camera in that and there's more storage capacity and other things. So I'm kind of holding on for that. Uh, continue to work with NAT with, with different audio options. That's the last thing I'll say, I think, before I quit with you. I have learned in the last five years that audio is just as important as Video. I never saw that before, but working with the PBS people, I, I see that now, and I've heard from plenty of people that just my voice, the, the the sound of my voice is somehow comforting, maybe puts people to sleep sometimes, but so that voice is part of it. It's not just the geology, it's kind of a, a certain vibe or an ambiance or a, 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 way, a way to connect that you don't get if it's some Zoom talk and there's a little crackly small head with a crackly voice. Crackly small head? What? A little small head with a crackly voice and a crappy internet connection. (laughs) I think it's undervalued. So, I don't know if I like this microphone I'm using right now, for instance, but it's an improvement of what I was using in the past. Back to the pop-up thing. I have to be yelling if there's a group of 250 people and I'm totally flummoxed at the moment on how to capture that with a microphone. The lapel mic I've been using is just, you know, it's becoming distorted because I'm yelling the whole time. So all I'm trying to say here is that I'm continue. I'm a little bit, uh, I'm ready to transition. I think that's the main theme of this episode. I'm closing my my little Ice Age book for quite a few months. Maybe I won't be doing much Ice Age stuff until next spring. I think, I think I'm saying that. Unless something really excites me, I think that's what I'm saying. And this podcast kind of is the last little chapter in that Ice Age uh, book. Wonderful. I'm ready to open up another book and follow a few themes that way but I need to get my technology stuff in order uh, to follow through on those ideas. So as usual here at the radio episodes, I'm combining personal experience, some interesting geology that I've been learning, uh, discussed in a rather haphazard manner, but you know that by now. These These are intended just to be kind of a personal diary more than anything else, but hopefully interesting to you. And then, yes, as I continue to try to do all this technology myself, which is 95% of the time thoroughly enjoyable, I just continue to push myself to learn along those lines as well. Okay, that's enough for now. Next time I check in with you with the radio episodes, will be in that next book, in that next chapter uh, this summer. And who knows where I will find myself, but I hope that we can find ourselves, you and I, together. What? (laughs) It was just a little self-correct at the end because it was sounding a little too self-important. Thank you, dear listener. I love you and goodbye.